Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen. Today we are traveling to Le Marche to meet a good friend of mine, Antonio Tombolini, who is rightly considered one of Italy's visionary pioneers of the internet. In the late 1990s, Antonio was able to find a way to bring together two great passions, his technical and technological expertise about the then still just emerging internet and his deep love and knowledge about local and regional food and wine through the creation of an exciting startup, Esperia.com. It's a really fascinating story, one I remember well being part of as a customer, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about how this came about. Buongiorno, Antonio. How are you today? Good morning, Mark. Good morning, everybody. I'm very good. Very good today. A really nice day, sunny day, so quite happy. Well, it's not a very nice day here. We're in the middle of a giant storm, so I'm imagining the sunshine in, in your beautiful region. Tell us about where you are. I'd like to give our listeners a sense of place. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your home. Well, uh, so my uh, currently in at my desk in Castelfidardo, which is a small uh, village in Le Marche region, very famous for inventing the fisarmonica, the accordion. At my desk in, in, in my busy in my new venture in the coffee market, but maybe something later on that. We are let's say five or six kilometers from the sea, a wonderful beach, and you know the the region, and I think uh, one cannot exaggerate how good it is to live here, to be honest. Yes, Le Marque is uh, one of my favorite regions, and I love that. That mix of the beautiful rolling hills where you are leading up to the mountains and then the proximity of the sea. It seems to be a region that has a bit of everything and certainly in terms of food and wine, wonderful foods and wonderful wine. Also, which is very important too. (laughs) Yes. Now, I'm going to turn back the clock and remind our listeners, some of whom may not even have been born yet, that in the late 1990s, the internet was incredibly young and exciting and new and and slow. We had to connect with things like dial-up modems and e-commerce was incredibly new. People didn't even all have mobile phones yet. if one can imagine such a world. And it was at that time that you began to develop some exciting ideas. Tell us a little bit about about how these passions came about. Well, so uh, about food and wine, I I would say it's completely to my family because I used to stay with my mother hours and hours in in, uh, our uh, kitchen looking to my mother 
cooking everything and and uh, testing and learning since I was I do not know maybe five years old or so and then regarding the internet it's a little bit less fascinating if you want because uh, when I started to think about launching a website selling uh, food and wine through the internet it was because it was uh, short of money and it was the only way I discovered to open up my my food and wine business and so to be honest the, the, the this has been the the real reason at the beginning. Of course, I was already in the internet because another passion of mine, which is I, I used to play chess and I love to play chess. And uh, thanks to the internet, I discovered a way to play chess in my lunchtime while working as a, a manager in a local company in a completely different industry. And so when I discovered the internet, I realized that it was another place, a completely new world where you could be able to uh, transform the concept of space and time we were accustomed with at, at the age. And so uh, at lunchtime, I was able to play chess with, with some guy from the Australia or the United Kingdom or whatever. And this is my, my initial story with the internet. And then it became also my business. Well, that's, that's really fascinating that out of a completely separate passion, your passion for chess, uh, you gained a sense of I guess the power of community, of being able to connect with people all around the world, because that was also part of the essence of what you were doing with Esperia.com. Tell us about Esperia.com, what it was, how you developed it, and and how it grew, because it was such an exciting concept at the time. Yes, so uh, let's say this way. I was continuously traveling for, for business, in different places and regions in Italy, and I, I always, uh, I was always looking for uh, local products. And and apart from my uh, job, I was spending my dinner time and 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 some spare time from the the work time in in looking for local producers of food and wine. And then I, with, the, with the, the internet, I started to think on the possibility to make my friends part of my experience. So the real, the real interesting part of the uh, first steps I did, it was before Esperia with the news group. The news groups were the first form of community in in the internet and the, the i was part of a news group name, named it.hobby.cucina um, okay and so in this new news group we 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 were let's say a bunch of friends like 100 maximum and i started to uh, tell the stories of my discoveries and and they pushed me step by step 
uh, in doing something to share with them not just the stories but the real products with them. So I started to distribute samples and to collect orders in in a very naive way until also with uh, with uh, this group of friends continuously pushing me to the decision of launching it as a proper business and this is the the way uh, Esperia was born well that's that's um, really fascinating it reminds me almost of the story of Pellegrino Artusi who has also for business traveled all around Italy through his passion and his love of food eventually wrote this great book, Science in the Kitchen and the Art of Eating Well. And it was through your love of eating whenever you were traveling that eventually led to sharing these products with your friends. And that's interesting, the news groups, because many people will not have heard of news groups. But this was before the World Wide Web with a visual interface through Netscape and all of that had yet even become a mainstream. So it was a very, very different way of communicating Really, it was, would have been text only. Is that right? Is it? Is it? And, and this is also an interesting part. I always thought that uh, you can leave limitations in, in, in two ways. The, the ordinary way is that you hate limitations and, and with, with reason, of course. But I, I tend to see at limitations and as, as, as a spark for creativity. So when you are forced to use just text, I think it's good training to tell stories and, and to make people feeling what you are saying, a feeling for the food you are trying to describe and everything. So it has been a real good experience. Well, actually, I, that is something I remember very much about Esperia, the stories of these wonderful and strange and products that, you know, I have traveled around uh, every region of Italy for a book that came out in 96, The Food Lover's Companion Italy. So a lot of these areas were familiar in some of the products, but suddenly you created a way to bring these to, I guess it would have been first your friends, an Italian audience, and eventually a global audience. Yes, and this is where I terminated the experience with with, uh, Esperia in 2002, uh, when we were already selling stuff to continental Europe. We were starting to sell some to the UK and to the USA. And I'm sure it could have been a a great success, but uh, for Several reasons uh, it is not worthy to to uh, tell now. I decided to sell the business, and in in the moment maybe where we were in the phase of completing my idea, because my idea was that uh, thanks to the internet, I can be able to literally ship to your house a piece of. Uh, this region of this village through the food, through the wine they produce. And the, the, the other step to complete the experience was the idea to bring you together with a bunch of friends to and, and visit the region, uh, the village, the uh, producer, and together with the nature and the art and everything we have practically practically everywhere and to discover to experience the way they are connected this is 
my firm believe. I think that also food and wine, when they are authentic, are one of the expressions of the culture and the spirit of the local area as the art has been and still is in several areas in Italy, but everywhere, if you want, I think. Yes, yes, very much that link of food as an integral element of the culture. But, you know, it was quite a magical time for your customers, for people like me, because I remember, you know, we, we have much more availability of quality Italian products today than we did 25 years ago. But I remember that I could, for example, go onto your website and order mozzarella di bufala on a Sunday evening. On the Monday, I knew that the buffalo milk was being transformed by hand, um, the mozzare, the torn um, mozzarella made by hand on the Monday. By Monday night, it had probably been sent to you in Loreto to be dispatched by whatever means, so that by Wednesday morning, I was able to have that for lunch. And it was just incredible because it was as fresh a mozzarella as you would get if you were in Campania. And it was quite a miracle to me and one of the great, great um, excitements of e-commerce. You know, this is probably another part of me continuously looking for new challenges, if you want, very, very simple challenges, because it's all about simple things like mozzarella or, or, or wine or whatever. But yes, at, at, the, at the time, it was practically impossible to get a proper mozzarella, real and authentic mozzarella di bufala, let's say, in London. Uh, because there, nobody was selling directly to private people. It, it, it was simply not possible. So we started to think a way on how to do that. And it was quite complicated because many of the logistics part of, of, of the business. And I realize now that it's very difficult to to understand what the situation was. But the situation was the one where the the DHL or UPS, they their business was to transfer documents from one office to another. They were completely out of the of the idea of uh, of delivering a, a, a pack of ten kilos to a private house to private people. Uh, so we started to discuss with them and to look for a cooperation and to look for solutions about how to grant the proper temperature while transferring the package and 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 how to connect the logistics with the producer and the producers of authentic food are often a very small business and, and family business and so you have to uh, cooperate with them to make it possible and so on. But to me, it uh, I mean, I'm very proud of what we have been able to do. And uh, I was very happy for my customers, of course, appreciating this experience. But to me, the real enjoyment was in setting up the process, to be honest, to, to, to do it. It was my, my real satisfaction. Wow, that, that's so interesting. I'm also thinking that, you know, in, in Italy itself, I know 
probably our biggest market was to Italians. Now, Italians, Italians are notoriously parochial, the famous campanilismo, Italians unwilling to try versions of dishes from neighboring towns, let alone regions. In a way, do you think that what you did helped Italians to discover their own country a bit more. Yeah, so this is a good point, and because it's true, because it's true, we, we we let's say, of course, it's different, and it was already different from from the past. It was no more about re, uh, fighting, in uh, actually fighting each other, because we we had in the history a phase where every single village, maybe at ten kilometers from the other one, was in war between them. But nowadays it is kind of a joke if you want when it's at its, at its best expression. But the the you can compare that to to the mood of supporters of a football team against another one. And and you can apply approximately the same when you speak about this pecorino cheese of uh, Montesibillini compared to the pecorino cheese of, let's say, Gran Sasso in Abruzzo. It's always a pecorino cheese. They are both wonderful and there is no more than maybe 50, 50 kilometers of distance from the producers, but they are two completely different expressions of, of, of the cheese culture and you can perceive it when you taste it. And, and every single pecorino cheese has a group of supporters. But what uh, I think I realized in a certain way, the fact that people in Italy were already mixed in different regions because we had in the 60s and 70s of the last century, uh, a great phenomenon of uh, internal migrations, mainly from south to north. And I thought to leverage also on the nostalgic part of, I do not know, Sicilian people living in Turin because working at uh, the fiat uh, industry or uh, many others, or, or the uh, Le Marche uh, people living in Milan or whatever. So I, I remember that we, our communication was often about saying, if you want a piece of Sicily, of Sicily with you, we can ship it to you through this product or the, the, the tuna fish we uh, select uh, in, in Favignana and, and, and so on. Well, that's really, really interesting that um, how, you, how you were reaching out through the stories to connect people with their homes, to connect people's hearts through their stomach. Yeah, <laughs> this is basically so. <laughs> okay, and uh, having been one of the pioneers of, e-commerce, because e-commerce was very, very new when you began this business. Today, when you're looking at how it's almost replaced traditional shops in the center of towns and cities, have you been amazed at how the things have developed? Or do you think that, you know, this is the natural way things will go? And, you know, we've lost something as well, haven't we? Well, so the cost of, of uh, seeming not, not, not so humble as I should be, but I would say, no, I'm not surprised. And I still remember in the Esperia days, uh, we were in the middle of the, of the 
of the web craze. Uh, and maybe you know this very smart guy founding Tiscali. Tiscali was a provider, a new provider, a new generation provider, launching a big uh, business and quoted at the, at the Milan Stock Exchange and everything. And in Italy, we have the main financial newspaper, which is Il Sole 24 Ore. And, and they published in a Sunday a double page uh, asking to this guy and, and to me uh, separately the same question. And the same question was, do you think that in the internet uh, could be possible in the future to sell real stuff like objects and food or uh, furniture or whatever? Or do you think the internet is to sell just uh, digital goods? like Tiscali was doing. And I was selling real stuff, of course, with Asperia. And and this guy was uh, saying that, uh, no, forget it. The, the internet is not the solution to sell actively and uh, in a sustainable manner, uh, real goods and objects and so on, because the future is just about digital uh, services uh, and everything. I was saying that to me the trend should be could be the one where digital goods would become uh, more and more difficult to sell in the internet because of the price they tend to be for free uh, while the real stuff has a space because you can sell to people you can reach thanks to the internet willing this kind of product and so on and uh, well all in all I think that reality is that nowadays everyone take it for granted that you can sell whatever you want through the internet. This is not necessarily and always a good thing. I agree with you on that. And what I see now as a challenge is to try to connect the online experience with the offline experience, if you can name it this way. Finally, Antonio, Let's turn now to your latest venture, because in a sense, having created a global e-commerce business with Esperia, you're returning to being from, from, from selling wonderful artisan products and produce. You are now a producer yourself through your latest venture. Tell us about the smoking tiger. Well, very good. And, and uh, so let's say this way. Um, I will reveal something that you do not know about Asperia, Mark, even if you know everything about Asperia, maybe more than me in several aspects. <laughs> and, and the fact is, my initial idea was to launch Asperia with the claim uh, Espresso Experience, because <laughs> my first idea was all about coffee. Being so passionate as I am about food and wine and everything, coffee is into my veins. Well, my father uh, was producing until the 80s, was producing a, a particular local liquor made from coffee. And I used to stay there smelling and sniffing coffee all the day when uh, uh, I was maybe 10 years old or so. And, and I started to study the story of coffee, the story of the economy of coffee and, and, and everything. And it's a 
really fascinating. Then um, reflecting uh, exactly on the fact that e-commerce is transforming the way we buy things and looking for a new challenge in in how to uh, make it better uh, the, the experience of buy things apart from the uh, supermarket approach you have with the, with Amazon and and the kind i started to think that uh, um, i was willing to challenge the italian coffee culture coffee is a very interesting product in the fact that uh, the production of the raw materials uh, is is in tropical regions while the transformation uh, and the roasting part is in the destination countries so it means that you are forced to make a choice uh, in terms also of ethics and and sourcing the coffee in a certain way or another way and the other part is that yes you can source the best coffee you can in the best way you can but you have to transform it in a certain way with a certain style and the italian coffee culture is uh, with reason very proud of the espresso discovery uh, at the end of the 19th century it was invented in italy and and, and now spreading everywhere all over the world but the fact is that uh, as it happens sometimes we tend to stay and and stop with what we have already achieved and i i think that the coffee culture is growing since uh, probably uh, 20 or 30 years more abroad than in italy so I decided to launch this new venture apart from my main business. Since the selling of Esperia, my main business is a, a, a small consultancy firm for food and wine industries. And I'm still involved in that, but likely enough, I have a bunch of friends, partners of, of, of this company doing a great job and I have also my son doing a, a good job with it. So I decided to, in my 60s, I, I am now almost 62 years old, I decided it was time enough to try uh, to become a roaster. And I made my choices. I started in, in uh, when when the COVID was already there, so it's not an excuse for me, <laughs> and I have to to do good to do the best I can in a very difficult situation. But I'm quite happy because we st- I, I sold the first bag of of roasted coffee with our brand, the Smoking Tiger, in November 2020. And so it's a little bit more than one year, but uh, we are doing quite good, quite good, both online and offline, both directly to private people and through selected restaurants and, and coffee shops and so on. For the moment, mainly in Italy, I think there is a potential, a huge potential uh to expand operations, at least in Europe. And we are really selling uh, coffee to Austria and Germany. 
I would like to sell coffee in a place where the coffee culture is something boiling like London and, and the UK, but unfortunately, the Brexit is not of help in this respect. But anyway, I will find a way to be there <laughs> sooner or later, and I hope very soon. Well, that's a, that's a really interesting development. And I know that everything that, that drives you is done through passion. And it's very interesting to hear this passion developing from when you were a young boy, either cooking beside your mother or selling that wonderful coffee, and finding a way to create a sense of community through this shared interest. Antonio, it's been a real pleasure meeting up again this morning and uh, finding uh, a little bit more about your story. I look forward even more to sharing a glass of wine with you or a coffee when I'm next in Le Marque. Or both. I hope so. Or both. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Thank you very much for being our guest. Okay, it has been a real pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And you are doing a very, very, very good job. Thank you. A presto. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.